no, Kelly cracks the reigning Olympic champion. Maria Matrilla has got, she's gone, and the finish there is so unbelievable. Hello, humans. Welcome to the Emerald Manchester podcast. Fortune. I'm Martin. That's me. And Matt. That's him down the other Zoom line. Matt. Matt. Called you Matt, not Matthew. Boom. Yeah. First time. Hi, How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, all things considering. So. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, when are we now? Appreciate this going out in a few weeks. Mid May now. Coming up. What's my birthday, Matt? By the way, birthday. Just in case you want to get something shipped around to me. Today. <laughs> Hey? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, go away. Uh, billboards, quick shout out to the sponsor. As always, they're really good to us. Billboards.in. So go and, go and check those guys out. Uh, future digital advertising. Today, we're joined by Joe. Joe, thanks for coming on the line. No problem. Pleasure. So, little intro clip that probably neither of you heard just because of this distancing, but it was Kelly Holmes from the uh, Athens Olympics, in which is unbelievably 2004. I think we were probably about three at the time, Joe, I'd imagine, just to make me feel really old. Uh, obviously, no, uh, amazing... oh, right, yeah, still doesn't make me feel any better. Uh, no. we, we, uh, obviously, a very good 800-meter runner, which is kind of your discipline now, so we thought it was quite quite, quite relevant to, to the topic. But welcome, like I said, thanks for coming on. As with these things, let's start off with whether you're a come-over, you're manx, 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 or manx as the hills. Um... I, I feel Manx as the hills, but um, in truth, I was born in Derby, England, um, and then uh, my family and I, so my mum, dad, and sister, we moved over when I was three. I think my sister was one, so basically all my all my childhood memories are from the Isle of Man. I consider myself Manx, although uh, technically because I was born in England, I am English. And when you came to the Isle of Man, where did you settle? Always been based in Port Erin. I'm um, Port Erin Patriot. What I call myself. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Lived here all my life. Um, my dad's had two houses, both in Port Erin. Um, when my parent, parents split, luckily they both stayed in Port Erin as well. So I didn't have split loyalties between having to choose between Port Erin and somewhere else. So yeah, Port Erin all my life. And then schooling down there, and was that your first when you schooling? Was that your first interaction with sport then? Or, I mean, did you did you folks do sport? Um, yeah, mum, mum and dad. Um, well, they tell me that they did sport when they were in school. I think my dad was pretty good all rounder. He was um, good athlete. He was more uh, more of a sprinter. He was also good at um, cricket, football, golf, and then yeah, my mum did uh, distance running. So I think she actually did you know fifteen hundred and things like that. So it's probably where I've got my blend from. Uh, so yeah, luckily uh, they both came from a sporting background, which is I guess helped me. Um, and then, yeah, Russian primary would have been where they first introduced us to, you know, encouraging, encouraging me to get involved on sports days and do the cross countries, things like that. So, yeah. And that, do you remember kind of your first sort of memory of those early days of running around with a, maybe a spoon and an egg? <laughs> yeah, my, my first uh, running memory is actually quite a funny one. So, I am... Um, I always, I, I never particularly, you know, loved it as a kid. I always just enjoyed it basically because, you know, it's an excuse to get out of the classroom and not do uh, reading and writing and just run around a field. So I always liked doing PE and cross country. And um, in my year in school, I won every cross country from, I think it was year one up until year four. And then my parents selfishly decided to book a holiday um, in the year five cross country to take us to France. And I, 
I kicked up a fuss, refused to go. No, I, I basically didn't pack my bags until the day before. Um, obviously, at the time, I thought I was making a big stance. You know, I really want to win this cross country. But yeah, that, that was the, that's the first memory I I have of running. Really, is throwing up that tantrum because I wanted to win that race so bad. <laughs> so was it, so was it very much from then, even at those early days, that you knew you wanted to kind of be a runner, or was it still playing football and um, just kind of doing it as a bit of fun? It was always football, to be honest. Um, you hear a lot of athletes say, oh, I grew up wanting to be an Olympian and win a gold medal. I, I grew up wanting to score hat-tricks at Wembley and go to a World Cup. I loved football and um, I always did athletics on the side. You know, I'd do cross-country, I'd do the Manx Harriers Wednesday League and things like that. But no, I, I lived and breathed for football at that young age. We like to discuss who you support. Yeah, we can. Um, I'm an Everton fan, so I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> yes, since I've been following them. Well, good to have been... you on today. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get that get, quite get with the games and stuff as well. Would you? Would your parents take you to games? Sort of when you're a bit older. Not the other. Yeah, old. went to. I think I went to Goodison for the first time when I was in year five. Uh, maybe it was my dad's makeup present for missing that cross country race. Thinking about it now. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't. I never supported a team until I was um, in year five. And then my dad, um, his golf partner at the time, he was he was an Everton fan. They used to go over about once a month to watch a game. And I think he used to take his daughters, and they dropped out. So he had two tickets, and he said to my dad, "Do you fancy um, coming over with me? And you can bring Joe if you want." And my dad's a Middlesbrough fan, and. He, his only rule to me as a kid was that I couldn't be a glory supporter. I think he was jealous that Middlesbrough didn't have much success. So I think I think at the time I wasn't allowed to support Chelsea or Man United. But he said apart from that, I could have free pick. And then, yeah, we went to this Everton game. And in hindsight, I was never going to support anyone else after going to my first match, was I? So Yeah, no, it's often the way, that, isn't it? That, that first match plants the seed. Yeah. Sadly, it was Everton. But never mind. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if he could have let me chose Chelsea, I think that would have been a good one. I'd get to celebrate a trophy every year. But yeah. uh, uh, so I, I hate it, but I love it as well. Like a good football fan, that's what it should be about, shouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. I, I, oh, yeah, the day that Everton win a trophy is it's sad for me to say, but it's probably going to be the best day of my life after waiting yeah. so long to see if it's. I'd be waiting a while, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everton fans unsubscribing as we as we chat. So uh, when you're then at school, you say obviously doing running, sort of dominating the cross country side of things. Were you kind of aware at that age? Because obviously we're going to what what you do now, but that you were obviously faster than other people, but that you had some ability in there. Um. Like you said, I knew that I was faster than other people. I, yeah, I used to win. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I was only in year five, but I used to win like the sprints on sports days and the cross-country stuff. And, you know, when we did the inter-school stuff as well between primary schools and then when I went to Castle Russian High School, I always used to finish pretty high up. So, you know, I always knew that I was um, I was fast in comparison to others. But, yeah, I, d I didn't know that I would, um, you know, go on to have a career as such in running. Yeah, so just looking at that, so like when you go to high school, it's Castle Rush and it's 13, isn't it? Around the age of 13. Yeah. 12, I don't know. So such a long time ago. And obviously looking at the, the, the results, the power of 10 type of results, then that's when, when those kick in and you're looking at doing 100, 200. So was it more sprint focused? I guess it is at that age because they, they don't want you running long distances. 
yeah, I, I, I always just preferred sprints, to be honest. As soon as I started going to the track and, you know, actually running on a, um, a synthetic track, uh, I always just liked putting spikes on and sprinting. Um, there was something fun about it. The races were normally a bit closer at that age. You know, you can do a 1500 and the gap between first and second might be 10 seconds, whereas in a sprint, it's normally a blanket finish. So I think I just found that more fun and um, to be fair the coaches down there and my dad always encouraged me and my sister to try all the events so that's why there's probably a bit of a mix on my power of 10 when I was younger. Yeah. So I can see from like there jump, jumping a little bit ahead on your CV that uh, there's high jump, long jump, those types of things so it's a bit of everything at that age. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I always just enjoyed giving it a mix. I didn't have a favourite event so yeah I just tried everything. I mean, I suppose being at those younger age, I use the word sprinter loosely, I guess, at a young age, whether that's quite definitely, I presume that plays into doing the long jump, certainly the long jump, because I imagine that part of the technique's a lot about speed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, the, the field events are something that are really good for young kids to do because they practice so many different type of movement skills that, you know, regardless of whether you're going to stay in athletics or go into different sports, they're so good, so... Um, that's why it's brilliant for kids to get involved in that. And in when I'm based in Cardiff now, I coach um, athletics to two, um, for two academies there. And we always encourage kids to uh, try not to specialise too early. And, you know, even if they do prefer some events, you want to keep all the different movement skills in the training that they're doing just because uh, they apply to so many different sports. So, yeah, I guess that's why I tried to vary it because, yeah, like I said, I was still playing football at that time. And, you know, in school you do rugby cricket um basketball everything so it's good to have a variety yeah some as i say something we've heard quite a few times now is that it's much better to be trying to be especially at the young age and all you know give them all around set skills rather than straight away like as soon as you realize someone's good at something pigeonhole them at that and that's all i'll ever do or i'll learn sort of thing you know later on might be a bit to their detriment in that sense yeah, yeah, 100% because, yeah, you, you, you probably don't know. Most people probably don't know what sport they're going to go into. I mean, if you're going to um, pursue sport seriously, I say, then, yeah, you're probably not going to know until you're in between 16 and 18. So it's best to keep all avenues open. You don't know what you're going to be good at, really. So 2008, just looking again at the results, hundreds, 200s, but the UK Athletics League. So it's assuming travelling away at this stage. Yeah, it must have been. That must have been with the um, the junior league, Max Harriers. So I remember uh, Di Schimmel used to take take us across, and they they were brilliant weekends. Looking back, that it'd just be you and your mates from athletics. <laughs> athletics was the minor part of that weekend. To be honest, you'd you know get to go on the boat and yeah. <laughs> go to a shop without your parents and things like that. It would be brilliant, and then you'd wake up on the Saturday morning after couple hours sleep from staying up until two in the morning be like oh I've got to run today um oh yeah they, I got brilliant memories from them it's amazing that the helpers that are around you mentioned Di there who I can't I, I mean I used to cycle a lot with a, a, a son who's sadly no longer with us but people like that who who do just a massive amount of things for sport sports people in the background huge yeah yeah there's loads of people like that that I'm sure I'm sure there's uh, so many other you know dies across the uh, Manx sporting scene that 
you know, they get so many kids involved in athletics and it's, you know, their kind of encouragement and the way that they make young kids enjoy the sessions at that age that, you know, that if, if I'd have gone to die and had a miserable experience and she'd have just made me run laps and laps and I'd have hated it, I probably would have stopped athletics there and then and never come back to it. So, yeah, people like her play a massive role in getting people sucked into the sport and beginning to fall in love with it. And like at that age, 2008, rattle around your mind, what age you were then, is is it about first, second or third or is it about a time or is it, you know, was it just about participation? Um, if I were to rank them in order, it would probably, at that age, it's probably participation, position, time. I, I didn't care too much about times at that age. I... I always wanted to finish near the front, but the main thing for me was turning up and, you know, when you're still in year six, um, you don't you don't see other people from outside your primary school. So I had a lot of some of who are now my best mates um, went to Balasala primary school and I only saw them on a Wednesday night at the Manx Harriers track league. So, you know, Wednesday nights would be the highlight of my week, getting to see them. And yeah, for a lot of kids, it's not until you get to high school that you get to mix them other kids and make new friends but I luckily got that opportunity a bit early and that was one of the main reasons that I really stuck at Athletics because I had a good friendship group there. So, so moving on again maybe 2010 what age would you be in 2010? 14. 14 yeah so again looking at the McCain UK Youth League uh, regularly away at that it looks like a monthly type of event I guess that you go to I guess oh, right. for all age ranges do those do you have much memories of that I appreciate it's not a million miles you go but um brief ones yeah like I said before I remember at that age I more just enjoyed the, the trip itself than the actual going away to run and I mean if I remember right at 14 I still I still don't think I was um particularly brilliant at it I think at that stage I more just enjoyed doing it still and I I didn't I don't think I had an event set in stone at that age still I think I still did a little bit of everything maybe maybe probably less of the field events and a bit more sprints, but yeah, I was still probably a little bit of an all-rounder. Yeah, because that moves on to, we were just talking about earlier about the high jump and long jump in 2011, where you're doing 800s there, right? I, I guess you get into that age where you, they let you run longer or longer distances. Uh, and a lot of events, and again, a lot of events in the UK, uh, and a lot of firsts and seconds and stuff in there as well. So I guess then you're kind of 15, is that under 15 kind of level? Under 60, yeah. starting to see, see talent come through, as they, as they say. Yeah, I think in athletics, it works on the odd age group. So I think you could have, I think it's under nines, and then under 11s, under 13s, under 15s, under 17s. Then it goes to under 20s, and then the last age group is under 23. Right. So uh, I suppose as you move in, in an age category and you're getting to the top of that age category, you're going to obviously, I suppose, perform better, aren't you? Because you're yeah, because yeah, you're maturing ultimately. Yeah, and obviously every time you're at the top of an age group category, you're competing against younger kids as well. And when you're at that age, you probably see the benefit a bit more of being a year older. Um, maybe once you get to under 20s and under 23s, that it plays less of a factor. But I guess when you're in under 15s, under 17s, um, a 15-year-old racing against a... Um, a 13-year-old is going to be a massive advantage to the 15-year-old just because he's two years stronger. So, you going to say, Matt? No, no I was just I was agreeing there. I just find it interesting to say that the two-year gap, um, 
what a bar. It's quite big, isn't it? That age. I suppose you said there, just highlighting the the difference between a thirteen race and a fifteen. Why, I, you know, I've got no idea, but why it's not in years? But I guess yeah. that's going to be hard for it. Just off the top of my head, administration and all that sort of thing. You'd, you'd be there all day running uh, ind- uh, individual races. So I guess it's the best you yeah. you can do, and everyone's at a level playing field in that sense that you will have one year where you're lower, but next year you have higher, and it's the same same for yeah. everyone. And yeah, and I think when you're that age as well. It- something that you actually begin to look forward to so I remember the first maybe the first time I went to English schools I think I was in the youngest the younger part of that age group and I remember the next year feeling so much better that I was the older part you think oh you don't, you're not at this disadvantage anymore and you can really actually um you can really actually push for some of the top spaces now whereas before the year before it's basically just a practice run yeah it's probably not a bad thing, actually, thinking about it, because, again, you, you, like you say, you're kind of acclimatised to, I mean, this category yeah. now, I've got, everything isn't rushed, I've got kind of two years in this category. Let's start yeah. a, a base and work, work through it as I mature as well. Yeah, athletics has that, it's quite, it's quite well structured, and I, I think it really helps each year. Each year that you get older, you realise that you get better at that transition as well. So, at first, I, I guess probably one of the scariest ones is maybe moving from, under 17 up to the under 20 because the under 20s is when you'll start coming up against guys who look like men you know I remember going away and you see some of these guys from London and Birmingham and you're like oh my god I'm racing like what looks like a 30 year old man and I still beard on them and everything yeah (laughs) yeah and I I think having the practice with the younger age groups to realize that you know it's just a transition that you go through so then when you get to from under 17 to under 20 and then under 20 to under 23, it doesn't seem like such a big deal, which is good because by that stage, you're more focusing on performance. Yeah, so I look at like 2012, it's the last year in the under 17s category. So I guess you're coming up to 17, 17 there and everything's, yeah. you know, one, one and first and second, basically pretty much through that on the arm and off Ireland. So again, I, I guess you're starting to stand out from the crowd at this stage. Yeah, I, I think, the first year that I remember really having, um, not success, but starting to feel like, oh, athletics should be an avenue that I perhaps explore a little bit more was 2012. That was the year of the Olympics as well. And I remember I remember taking a keen interest in watching the, the 400s particularly just to see, you know, I think, I can't remember what I was running at that time, maybe about 50 seconds, but, you know, thinking, yeah. yeah, I think if you want to go to an Olympics, then, you need to get down to running 45, 44 seconds. So, yeah, that probably would have been the first time that I remember maybe doing it less socially and more actually, oh, I want to get faster. Yeah. Is that, I say, is that around the time then that you uh, gave up on the football career and started playing? Yeah. Still? Well, the story behind that is a bit, it is a bit of an accident, basically. I, I so I think 2012, I was still mixing. And then 2013, um, Dai, Dai gave up coaching for a little bit. And I, I ended up not having a training group. I didn't know what to do. And Anthony Brands got in touch with me and said, oh, I'll do some work with you over, to, over the winter because obviously there's an Island Games next year and it would be brilliant if you were there or thereabouts. So I started training with him. I managed about a week with him. And I was still playing football. Um, played for Russian first team. My first, my first and only first team appearance on the Saturday. 
then on the Sunday went and played for the juniors and uh don't know who it was, but some fella from Ramsey, we were battering them like seven 0 and it's absolutely crippled my ankle and um I ended up doing uh, quite bad ligament damage in it and I was on crutches for about six weeks and yeah, about two months, no sport or nothing and then yeah, it was at that point more details that started coming out about Bermuda and you know, my dad was saying, Oh, you know, Bermuda's you're probably never gonna go there in your life again and you know, you're good for football at your age, but, you know, if you do well in that, you're looking at maybe a trip to Liverpool at the end of the year, whereas if you do well in athletics, you're looking at a trip to Bermuda and there's a Commonwealth Games and things like that. So the opportunities in athletics might be a bit more. So I guess that decision, it kind of made itself in the end, just looking at it from what am I going to get more out of long term and thankfully more so far it's paid off. So so just before we jump on to kind of the Bermuda side of things, in... in in that last year's under 17s, sprinting as an observer seems to be a uh, very much a strength-related run, you know, strength-related discipline. Were you were you mature at that? Were you were you a bigger lad at 17 or not? No, no, no. I've always been pretty slight and pretty skinny in comparison to even the people that I race against now. I think, um, luckily, I. Just had some form of genetics, which meant I always have been relatively fast over a sprint. I mean, even now as a senior, I'd like to think that I'm, you know, over a short, over a very short distance, so not 800 meters, but you know, over a 20 or 30 meters, or even up to a 80 or 120 meters, that I'd beat most of the guys that I compete against in 800 now. So, yeah, luckily I've just always had that um, bit of speed that's got me by. Yeah. So yeah, it's 2013 Bermuda. I mean, I presume a proud moment to be called up for your country, as they say. Yeah, I, I, at the time, probably didn't probably didn't realise what a big deal it was. You know, you hear about people talking about Island Games and they're brilliant, but you know, as a kid, apart from the fact that it was in Bermuda, I just assumed it was another trip away where you compete. And then I got there and. Um, didn't have the shock of my life, but I was a bit taken back by, you know, how, how much of a big deal it was. And yeah, but Bermuda still to this day, seven years on, is one of the best memories that I've got in athletics. I absolutely loved every second of it. Matt and I always try to bring it, or I do drag it into conversation because I went to an Island Games many, many years ago. But what the, the abiding memory is just that unity it brings from across all the different sports yeah. that you'll go and watch other events and just brings an, is an amazing team spirit. Yeah. I've loved it. I've like, unfortunately, I've only been able to go to two, partly through. Um, so I did 2013, missed 2015, which was Jersey, I think, through injury, and I would have loved to go to that one, but I couldn't. Did 2017, although I wasn't particularly fit at that point, but I still loved it. And then because I moved back to the UK in 2018. Um, you have to be you have to be like um, a full time resident over here if you're not Manx. And obviously, because I only moved here when I was three, I'm I don't qualify to do them anymore unless I live over here. So I mean, that is one of the it's one of the only bad points about my career is that I don't know how many Island Games I'll be able to do. Like I, I'd always love to do them, but I don't know what opportunities I'll get. Mm. Yeah. And you won a medal, obviously, in that. Well, I say obviously, but in Bermuda. Yeah, yeah, gold medal as well. I was, I was um, still. You have an I, expectation yeah. going there. No. Seeing competitors knowing their times, nothing. No, nothing. I um, 
Um, I remember Ryan Fairclough was doing the 800 there and uh, we'd all been sharing a room in a dorm and to me at that age I looked up to Ryan as oh you know Ryan's Ryan's brilliant and that's the type of athlete I'd love to be and he came I'm pretty sure he was doing the 800 and 1500 double but he was best with the 800 but he got a silver in the 15 but only came fourth in the 800 and I remember feeling gutted for him that he came fourth and at that point I was like oh it would actually be really cool to get a medal, partly to kind of make up for him a bit as well. I remember that, thinking that at the time, but I knew there were a couple of quick guys in the 400. And to be honest, at that point, I was like, oh, getting a medal would be brilliant. I didn't ever expect to win. And uh, it was, so yeah, the time's 48-48, which just looking through the time was a PB as well. At that, oh, yeah. that, moment. that was a massive PB. I remember, I remember running the heat and... Um, I don't think I broke 49 seconds and I ran the heat. I ran it in, I think it was about 49, 49.1, 49.2, something like that. Yeah, and nine, um, yeah. yeah I, I absolutely coasted the heat. So I remember thinking, oh God, if I can put a good race together tomorrow, I'm going to run 48. And the clock didn't stop and I went over the line. So I was just hoping that the guy came up to me after the race and he's like, oh, it's 48.99. I remember they said 48.4. I was like, oh my God. I was rapid. I was buzzing with it. Well, there's nothing better, is there, than uh, at that. At that, I suppose you know, it's still it's still an early age, but but PB and at the big events, that's what it's about, oh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, I remember afterwards as well. I I won, crossed the line, and I was I was so buzzing that I <laughs> I didn't even wait for the rest of the guys to finish the race. I literally crossed the line by about a couple of meters, turned round, and all the rest of the guys from the Isle of Man were stood down at. Um, back closer to the 100 meter start not the 100 meter finish and I marched back down the track with like a finger in the air pointing screaming <laughs> I, was, I was so happy I think like I said before, because I'd always grew, grown up wanting to be a footballer that was like the inner football and celebration that came yeah, out right. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that I hope that I get that again in the future at some point if I get to win a medal at um, a major game I'd love to be able to do that again Start striding back up the up the, uh, up the track. Yeah. So, so at this age, obviously still schooling. You've gone on to A levels, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I think 2014 and 2015, I was doing A levels. Yeah, right. And what were you studying? What was your? What did you do in regards? To... Uh, so I did. I did PE, history, and geography. I think I did psychology when I was in year twelve, but struggled with it, so dropped that going into year thirteen and. I was never, I, I was I was academic enough, you know, I always would get GCSEs, I think I mainly got Bs and A-levels, I managed to get Cs and maybe a D, I think. Um, I was academic enough, I was just a bit lazy, I always preferred sport and, you know, if you're asking me to sit in a room and highlight keynotes and stuff is my form of torture, so I yeah. didn't particularly thrive in, in that environment. And yeah. um, so when, when you so coming back from winning gold there how did day-to-day -day life kind of go back was it suddenly there was more of an expectation on you to to kind of start progressing or was it just you for you uh, normal routine um I guess the only thing that you notice that changes is that within myself I now had a little bit of an expectation you know I just ran 48 which wasn't too far off the island record and you know, you're starting to think, yeah, Glasgow Commonwealth Games was the year after that. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, 
48 isn't a million miles away from what I need to run. And, you know, if I, maybe if I do an extra day's training or um, start taking this a little bit more seriously, I could really achieve something. So, yeah, I guess the only thing that really changed was the way I started looking at athletics. And probably that was the turning point in which I started saying oh, I could actually achieve something if I put my mind to it. So, so when you look at your training, you were, you were train a lot you do you listen to coaches are you how, how do you consider yourself a now yeah well yeah yeah i guess gen yeah i suppose so now jumping forward but yeah in, in general yeah um I, yeah so i've always I, i've been lucky with the coaches that i've had to so obviously die at first was just someone who was brilliant to get me engaged with athletics anthony was the first person who really you know he would all weather to be fair to him, he would come down to the track basically with just a stopwatch and he would just watch me run, whether it be in sun, wind, rain, ice. Um, he would come down and just time. So, yeah, looking back at that, Anthony was really good to me in the, in the sense that, you know, I didn't, I never wanted to let him down because he would always turn up for me. And then when I went to uni, my coach, Matt, was the first experience I had of, you know, being in an elite training group and learning from someone that's, competed on an international level themselves and just listening to stories about him running and what he did and what he'd do differently things like that so yeah I've always had luckily a good relationship with my coaches and I've always enjoyed learning from them. So, so the uni aspect you went to Cardiff? Yeah I went to Cardiff Met so. Um, was that decision to go there because they've also got a good sports area or what was the was that the driver? Yeah. So yeah, I was predicted C's at A level, so I had to look. I had to look realistically as to what I could do as well. So obviously, I think a lot of kids, well, I say kids, you know, people in A levels who are good at sport, they just automatically think Loughborough, and obviously that thought had come into my mind. But well, another part of the thing is I didn't know what course I wanted to do. I wanted, knew I wanted to do something sporty, and I looked at Loughborough and their grades were A's and B's, and I didn't particularly like any of their courses. I found my PE teacher at Cardiff at um, Prasabushan helped me find this course at Cardiff Met. And I quite liked the look of it. So my granddad took me on an open day and I had no idea that the sports facilities were as good as they were there. So I basically came away from that trip saying that if I didn't get into Cardiff, I wouldn't have gone to uni or I would have reset my exams just to go back there. Okay. And what was, uh, what was he went there to do in the end? Sorry, did you say? Uh, it was sport and social sciences, the course that I did. So basically, I knew I wanted to do PE, well, not PE, sport. Um, but I had no idea what line of sport I wanted to do. So I just chose the most open sport course. And is that a three year course, is it? Three years, yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Right. So again, looking at kind of the sport and dance, sporting work down there, certainly the first couple of years, all 400 related. Again, your times over those couple of years continue to get chipped away to. I look at the end of 2016 and it's down into the 47s. I guess that hurdle breaking 48s again, another milestone in that development side of things. Yeah, I um, I loved my time at uni and the training group that I got in, I was really lucky to get in that. I was with you know other like-minded athletes who wanted to succeed. I think one one of the one of the hard things about uni is when you go there, it's very off. It's so easy to fall into that pattern of just drinking basically and you know it's the first time you're away from your parents and no real responsibility apart from turning up to your lecture so you can do what you want so I think there's a lot of people go to uni and do sport but it's mainly based around that going out culture whereas the training group that I was in it was based around the performance culture so 
luckily I managed to stay away from um, from falling into that trap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got I got lucky in that sense, and uh, yeah, I just had three really good years there. I I won a medal at um, British University a couple of times. Had my first injuries, which meant I didn't quite. I didn't um, run quite as fast as I'd like to, but, you know, I, the experiences that I got from being injured and... Um, what type of injuries? What were you looking at? I had a couple of hamstring tears. Um, I, think I, did, I think I did my left twice and my right once. The first one on the left was quite bad. Um, that really set me back quite a bit. You know, you've... you've you feel nervous to ever really put that force and run through it and sprint properly on it again. But, um, yeah, luckily I came back from that. And then, yeah, towards the end of uni, I had another little, I think it was the second time I had a little niggle in my left hamstring. So I was running quite well. I just ran that 400 PB and Matt said to me, my coach, he said, Oh, you're obviously, you're obviously fit and you know, you're running well. The only thing that's stopping you from running more PBs is the fact that you can't put this force through the, for your hamstring that you want, you're scared to really put your foot down. So why don't you try an 800? Because it's a shame to waste all the hard work and training oh, that you've done. So yeah, that was a start of, well, there'd always been a running joke within the sprinting group, obviously, because I was a 400 meter runner. I trained with the 400 meter runners. And in 400 meters, you normally get the athletes who are more speed-based. So they'll do a mix of 200 and 400. Or you get the 400 meter runners who are just really strong, who are more 400, 800. And it was always quite apparent that I was the 400, 800 type. Um, I'm probably the only one like that in the group. So they'd always joke to me, you know, over long sessions where I'd beat them, they'd always be like, oh, you only beat us because you're an 800 meter runner, really. And I never, I didn't really like that, to be honest. I, You know, in a sprint group, you feel like the odd one out getting labeled the middle distance runner. But you know, yeah, Matt and I dirty middle distance runners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one liked it. But yeah, Matt, it got to that point where Matt just said, "Let's give it a go," and then yeah, that's where eight hundred took off. So, so that's really interesting, actually. Just to go back to the injury point of that, uh, that psychology side of, uh, I suppose, almost subconsciously, I guess, as well of, of, and I guess, like anyone coming back from injury, it's is testing it and just not wanting to feel that pinge or that snip and yeah. maybe you're not conscious you're doing, you're just subconsciously not forcing through it. Yeah, I, I I hated the hamstring injuries because even when, you know, you could stretch your hamstring and you do all your rehab and stuff and it would feel fine, but I just knew that as soon as I would come to sprinting and putting that force through it, which you can only really replicate through sprinting, I would just get this pinch and I could run on it and, you know, I could do sessions and I could run really fast, but you would feel this pinching that in the back of your mind, you, you want to hold yourself back because it hurts, you know. Yeah. Um, have you watched the Andy Murray documentary? I haven't. No, no. He, he said with his hip that, you know, he could play tennis on it. He played tournaments, but in the back of his mind, he always just knew that his hip hurt. So something just didn't feel right. And I, when I watched that, I could totally totally resonated with that because that's how I felt with my hamstring I was like I can do it but it hurts to do this so it just didn't feel right I yeah uh, I mean I don't I don't know this but I've read stories see the, the, the ex-Liverpool striker Daniel Storage was forever I say forever injured but was injured quite a bit and it could be completely untrue but it's he's similar story you hear about where you use the word he's not injured but he's probably getting those types of things where he's getting that because he's a speed guy as well. Getting yeah. those kicks and pulls is just, you know, 
he always takes that step back instead of stepping into it and obviously yeah. potentially causing damage the instincts human instincts to step back from it yeah michael owen said the same as well because i think obviously he was a speedster and relied on his pace a lot playing football and it was his hamstrings that he had problems with and obviously when you rely on that and you have a subconscious worry about it it's going to affect or especially in football it's going to affect your game massively and let alone in running where you rely on running fast so yeah that that was um that was probably one of the toughest times of my career I think that was I, I never you know I was able to run and compete luckily in my second year I was relatively injury free but the first, the second half of my first year and the first half of my third year, I struggled with my hamstrings. It's, a, it's a, well, just to go on the mic, just to jump back to the Michael Owen story. He did a podcast with Jamie Carragher, and I appreciate it. it's, it's Liverpool related, but it's a really good interview with with Michael because he talks about at kind of age twenty two. He felt he was basically looking back; that was his peak of his career, and basically yeah. through there to when he signed for Real Madrid, that he was he was a was never the player he was. I think even younger than 20, 20 might have been 19, but that was the peak, peak of my fitness. I was slowing down from that day forward. Yeah, you hear it a lot in football. Um, I think obviously it's a lot better now. And uh, my dad's just started watching that um, All or Nothing Man City documentary. So I rewatched the first couple with him. And you can see like the access to physios and doctors and the um, you know the kind of data that they've all got on their computer screens. Whereas I guess, you know, when... Yeah. When Owen, uh, even like when Sturridge was playing like 2014, I knew, I, I remember Ar Arsenal always had lots of injuries and that story came out about Arsenal's backroom physio team just being so behind with the methods they were using and it was no no um, coincidence that every year they had injury crises because their S&C just wasn't up to scratch. Yeah, yeah. And had you started speaking of SNC, had you started introducing that to your, was that something they did at Cardiff as part of it? Um, Isleman Sport had given me access to doing it over here. So I'd been doing that a couple of times a week. Um, but obviously the older you get, you learn more the individual stuff that you, um, that you need for yourself. And I guess, yeah, the time at Cardiff helped me realise that. I mean, generally when you start doing SNC, like we were talking about before, it's good to just do a bit of everything. Um, you do want to stay kind of um, well-rounded, but as you get older and realise what your strengths and weaknesses are, um, I think it's important to focus on them because, yeah, maybe at the time when I first did my hamstring, I didn't realise that I had weak hamstrings. And after that, I've always had to put a lot of effort in to make sure that I keep on top of that. Yeah, and I think that's, again, something that's often not, obviously it's not seen by, by not, not in a bad way, but by people the amount of kind of, I mean, I go back to what's going on with obviously trying to help Christian Varley at the moment with his running. And I know every morning he's up at half four doing strength and conditioning and, and rehab work. And it's just stuff that people just don't see. And it's two and a half hours of work. That's, and it's hard work because it's not most athletes as well, because especially in a, in, a, in a sport where you're, it's a fast sport. So your instinct is you want, want to do things quickly as well. So strength and conditioning is often so much slow mechanism work that you have to have real patience, I guess, as well. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably one of the hardest parts about transitioning from a kid who just turns up to the track two or three times a week to to what you'd say is a proper athlete who's someone who trains properly and does strength and conditioning and lifting. Because like you say, strength and conditioning can be tedious and a lot of the basic simple exercises that you need are also the most boring ones. And <clears throat> I think that makes the difference between the people who end up 
end up going on to be really successful and the people who don't is whether you've got the patience to realize that those slow tedious boring exercises <clears throat> serve a really important purpose in your short medium and long-term career as an athlete yeah i think yeah i agree i, I think the, because also you don't see the i could be wrong but the benefit quickly either it makes it even harder on, on the mind to keep going look i need to keep doing this because maybe in four years time I'll never know, yeah. but the chances are I'm less likely to get injured. Yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah. I, I had a, I had my apart from that first hamstring tear, which was really bad. I had my first serious injury again, well, my second serious injury this year. I um, <clears throat> just had a tight plantar fascia, and I ended up being eight weeks not running on a track. And I basically found that <clears throat> there was a stretch I was doing called knee to wall, where you basically see how far you can have your foot away from the wall. I think it's how many inches maybe centimetres you can have your foot away from the wall um, whilst getting your knee to touch it. And I found that the difference for me being able to run pain-free and being able to run um, whilst noticing there was an issue was literally down to um, an inch. So you do all that work and it's an inch that makes a difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so coming back to the, the results there, 17, you mentioned early on about representing the island again uh, in... Uh, to Gotland, I think it was, was it? Gotland, yeah. 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 Uh, you, you mentioned, obviously, you had the injuries, which I, I guess, and looking at the time, it was a, still a very impressive time. I'd be more than happy with it uh, on a bike, let alone running. Uh, <laughs> but uh, again, an, another great occasion, I guess, to go to, the, go to the Island Games. Yeah, awesome again. And that one just felt a bit, I felt... Um, just a bit gutted that I couldn't go there fully fit and I knew that I wasn't fully fit the whole time as well you know in the month leading up to it in the week before it in the day before it during my races after my races I knew that I wasn't fit and it was a bit gutting and I I, I couldn't do the relay as well because you know we were only halfway through the season at that point and if I'd have risked doing the relay I probably would have risked tearing my hamstring and you know I still wanted to have some races left that year so um, I missed out on doing the relay and I, I really four by fours are probably my favorite event I always felt a bit selfish not doing it but I guess part of athletics is it's an individual sport and you have to put yourself first and yep. um, sure. like luckily I luckily I did that because 2017 was where I first dabbled in 800 and if I yep. had done that relay and injured myself worse and I think I only missed after the end after run that final I maybe had three weeks where I was doing rehab stuff before I could start training again Whereas if I'd have done that relay, it might have been six weeks, and I might not have ran again that season. So, you think uh, that was kind of playing on your playing on your mind and all that lead up then that you didn't want to push yourself or do any further well, potential damage there then. Yeah, the whole the whole time I was in Gotland, I knew that my hamstring wasn't hundred percent. I had to be honest, it felt at about sixty percent the whole time I was there. I was having massage from physio every night I was having ice on it um I was doing all all my stretches all my rehab everything right but again as soon as you step on the track and you go to sprint you just feel that something's not right and I remember you know getting through the heat in the semi-final and just thinking oh it's a miracle that I'm still able to put myself on the track and do it and yeah I think you're just kind of glad when that's over from a mental point of view that you can just kind of reset and get everything back to normal before you start competing fit and healthy again. You got bronze out of it, so it wasn't all, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, I had a, I had a great trip still. It's amazing to 
go away with your mates and be in that really um you know, I mean Island Games is a big deal it's an international competition and it's really competitive so yeah I never turned my nose up at getting a medal I was just gutted that I couldn't have yeah, given it a more honest go yeah so you mentioned there the second half of that year then you start certainly dabbling the 800 is looking at results here again immediately you know, UK uh, BMC series immediately you know top 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 of the list or near the top of that list so yeah. when you stepped and when you transitioned and started doing that did you kind of did it just immediately feel I'm, I'm, I'm at home here um yeah I, I i i loved it straight away to be honest um i'd always liked the 400 but 400 was a bit of a love-hate relationship whereas the first couple of 800s i did i was like oh this, this something feels different about this this is really cool and yeah, I, I probably did about five or six races because I ended up chasing the um, 2018 Commonwealth Games standard. You know, we'd had our eye on the 400 standards for years and totally ignored the 800 standard, which ended up being a lot more achievable. And like I said before, Matt said, you know, you're in good shape. It's a shame to waste it. Let's try a couple of 800s. I ran my first proper BMC. And I can't remember if I either just missed it or just got the standard, but either way we were thinking, all oh, right, okay, this is now looking like a, like it's got legs to run. And, and just on that, I know like when you see some sprinters do 100, 200 on like the doubles, is it harder to do the 400, 800 there? Because if with the transitioning, there was a kind of, there wasn't a conversation to see, can I, can I do both at the same time or is it, I'm going to solely concentrate on 800. Um, that's so that, yeah, the back end of 2017, it was solely 800 because basically we wanted to give the hamstring rest a little bit. Um, but that's why we never considered doing doubles of it. But I mean, in the future, it might be something that I'd come back to. I'd love to go back to 400. I still know that I can run faster over it. So yeah, I will come back to it and perhaps do a double in the future. It's a hard double, but I'd love to try it. So it's interesting then going into 18 in the Commonwealth Games because it, it was in Australia and it was early and really, again, athletic season during the summer, so it's quite early in the year. I know initially you weren't in the in the initial selection because obviously the Ireland's got a limited budget ultimately and, and a limited number yeah. of athletes it sends and you weren't in that initial one. What was your feeling at that stage? I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> No swearing. I... I felt a bit robbed, to be honest. Right. I, um, you know, I knew I knew how hard I'd worked over all the years before to, although I wanted to go for 400 to to get to a point where I could go. And you know, I felt like I'd done a lot. I'd I'd ran the qualifying standard three or four times in a very short space of time, and I'd got faster each race. I felt like I'd showed enough potential that I was worth taking the risks on. And yeah, I felt. I, I did feel a bit let down you know you do all that hard work and in the hope that someone's going to take a punt on you and I felt like I was well worth that punt and yeah I was a bit gutted when that didn't didn't happen at first and how did it how did it change around because I, I must say I don't know that story. Um, so basically we you know we, we were under the impression that I was not that I was guaranteed but that I had a very good chance of going so it, it came as a shock to be honest when right when we found out with no and you know my family had um my family had based our plans on 2018 around me having this and you know it was a big deal for us and um we kind of we just asked some questions really we got in touch with um, the relative people and just said 
how how did you come to that decision what was what was made about it and it 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 turned out that they didn't maybe have all the information about me and others that they needed and then when the extra spot came up it it became it became quite, yeah it became quite clear that um i had a very good case for that extra spot because i still had a good case to be in the original what so yeah it, it didn't it didn't get nasty it was just very political and um Oh, and I think I think in situations yeah. like that as well, you have to, uh, you know, as, a, as an athlete, as, as frustrating obviously as it is, you're also, you know, you, you, this is a career you're trying to make out of this, so you kind of have to go about it the right way. You still have to, you know, put your voice, your yeah. views, and etc., but without throwing the toys, I guess. Yeah. I guess, I guess, like another another part of that story was, I'd been so close to qualifying for 2014. You know, I, it was a bit more cut cutthroat then in the sense that well not cutthroat just simple that there was a standard to run and I missed the standard by a tenth over the 400 which you know it's a tenth is nothing but I can appreciate that a standard's a standard and I ended up running the standard I think it was five weeks after the deadline so you know we felt a bit like oh I've been hard done by there only missing it by a tenth and then end up running it anyway before the games had started we were like oh you know if things worked out different you could have gone to that one and the message that me and my family had after 2014 was, you know, you're doing everything right, carry on doing the right thing. In 2018, um, you'll get the break. And then, obviously, when it first came back as a no, we felt like, oh, well, you know, I've given four years to do this and not to get that break was, like, really heartbreaking. I think, yeah, that's probably... That might be the only time that I've cried because of athletics, I think. Not making that team, I really felt hard done by. And how long was it between the sort of no and the, that process to then know you were going? About a month, I think. Right. That was a lot. That was one of the longest months of our lives. I think, you know, we were doing so much work. We we hadn't given it much attention before about all like the selection policies and the criteria and stuff. And then we say, well, you know, are, are we being stupid? Did you miss things and whatever? And we we realised like, no, I, I didn't miss anything. I'd I'd done everything right and the you know it, yeah like I said it, it got quite political but yeah in the we were just uh, very thankful that that extra space opened up in the end and that uh, during that month for you in regard to then running there was no less love for running and, and doing it I was angry I, I was I was trade I was trading with anger in me you know I wanted to I wanted to because because it was around December that we found out I was running indoors in January and I basically wanted to train that hard that I wanted to come out in January and basically make a statement yeah. and say, "How can you not pick me?" That that was my mentality in that month. Yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to prove people wrong. I, yeah, I was very. It's a good way to focus the uh, frustration. Yeah. Better than going down a boozer and having twenty points anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, obviously you travelled out there. I mean, I got, I mean, I not not particularly. Anywhere near going to Commonwealth Games ever is that is that something you all collectively travel together or was it how did that work? We did it in two parts, I think. So the majority of us went out to uh, the Sunshine Coast, and I think it was just a couple of the cyclists were a bit later because they needed to be somewhere else. Um, if I, off the top of my head, um, so yeah, we yeah, um, you obviously knew the people that were going, but that was the first time that you'd all kind of been together and you see everyone and hear everyone's stories and what they do and about their sports and stuff 
and, and being in the village, turn up at the village, obviously start to you know there's you're up another level here ultimately with people around you, whether it's in your sport or not. Was that how yeah. was that wandering around a village and seeing seeing people I, probably watched on TV? I, yeah, I loved it because I was a massive, you know, I was a student of athletics and um I you know, I liked all the all the other athletes from other sports as well, seeing some people that you see on TV. So it was weird for me because mentally I always felt like I was ahead of where I was physically. I felt like I was ready to compete internationally and I was ready to challenge to be successful. But physically, my legs just weren't there. They couldn't do what my mind wanted them to. So it was strange because half of me was like, oh, you know, I'm here to do a job and I'm here to compete. But the other half of me was like, really, I know that I'm just here for experience for now. So you're, you're, you're better off taking all this in and appreciating where you are right now and where you find yourself. Doing that buzz, then you know you're on the start line. They call your name out over the. Yeah, I, I, I think I said at the time, best day of my life, and probably still stand by it. Like I said, like mentally, physically, I just wish that I was where I was mentally. I was, I was ready to, um, give absolutely everything, and I, I feel like, I could be at the top of my sport in that sense, but my legs just weren't there yet. So it's just such a shame that it's I time, isn't it though? Time. Yeah. I couldn't be more competitive in it. Um but I'm yeah, in the end, like that's why another part about going to Gold Coast was knowing that by the time Birmingham twenty twenty two comes along that I want to be in the position to be able to win a medal for the Isle Man and having that experience in Gold Coast was vital, I think. So now I feel like I've had that experience. I know what it's like to be there and for it to seem overwhelming. But physically I'll be where I wanted to be in 2018 in 2022 like yeah, mentally right. I feel like I've been there for a long while that I've been in the position to really compete and win a medal my legs just haven't been able to do it yet but I think by 2022 the two will finally come together were you uh, on on that start line because are you a nervous are you a nervous runner or nervous beforehand or you're very much getting the zone type of um... I I get nervous before so maybe before I start warming up. Um, but then once I'm warming up and doing my drills and doing your strides, going to call room, going out onto the track, obviously there's a there's a little bit of nerves that still stay there, but I get the main bulk of it before. I remember me and Steve, Steve put the bus down with me to the track and that was probably the point where I was bricking it. You know, you're leaving the village and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to race in the Commonwealth Games. That's where you get all that nerves. But then once you kind of get to the warm-up track and, you realise that it's just, you know, like you warm up every day for your session, then it calms down a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, try and take it that it's just, just another event, although, although it's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It's in the back of your mind, you know that it's not, but you need to try and treat it like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, I mean, that was, again, that, that 2018 is littered, littered with 800s. Uh, you kind of ran the 150, because I, I just looking at the times again, they're kind of 150 uh, into the 149s. Uh, yeah. So you were saying earlier, I don't know, what's the world record out of interest at the moment at, at 800? Uh, 140.9 is still Radisha from London 2012, actually. Oh, right. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, world, world class, yeah, he's Kenyan. World class 800 meter running at the minute is anywhere around 144. Right. Um, if you if you want to look at winning a medal at a major, a major games, you, well... Yeah, one forty-five is probably what you'd be looking at to win a major medal. But if you want to be, if you want to be winning games, you need to be capable of winning one forty-four. Right. 
Right. And what? Sorry, you said the world record was what in the one forty fours. One forty. Oh, you did say forty. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's a big that's a big difference, you know. From. But then that's part of the eight hundred meters, you know. Like Radisha, he obviously knew that he was in world record shape then, so he just went out and ran as fast as he could. Whereas part of the 800 meters is it's very tactical so often oh okay when it comes to finals you know whereas a 400 meters would just be yeah of course you know, leave everything out on the track gun to tape in the 800 meters you get you get guys who are brilliant in fast-paced races but also the guys who are brilliant in slow races because they know where to position themselves yeah, yeah. at what point in the race they need to do certain things so yeah that's why i say although the world record's that fast you, you don't need to be able to run close to that to yeah, win yeah. something not every race is going to be run. And as I, fast I should know that. I should know that. Having just watched the Kelly Holmes thing, where she was last on the track or going into that last lap before she won the gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's that. There's another thing that I love about the 800 meters is that there's that different element to it. You know, 400 meters it always just felt like who can run around the track the yeah. fastest simply, and you know it would normally always go to paper. Whoever's first fastest and whoever's eighth fastest, you'd feel the order would just come in between. Whereas 800. You can have guys with PBs ranging over two seconds, and you you can never predict the order because you don't know how the race is going to go. Yeah, and typically then we might have had this chat when we were talking to uh, Keith a few months ago. But I assume it's common for four hundred people to step up to eight hundred because they've got that kick. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you're one of the lucky ones who's blessed with being more four eight, then you've always got the option to do that. And yeah, I think most. Most 800-meter runners who come from a 400-meter background would like to think that over the slow races, they'd be dangerous because they've got that extra little bit of speed reserve. But, I mean, it works both ways as well. You can say those guys, although they've got more speed reserve, they have to use a bit more energy to get there, whereas the guys who come from a mileage background, they might be a bit easier running the first six or 700. And although they're not as fast as over the last 100, they're not as tired or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Very intricate. I want to go back before we just go on to 2019. I want to go back actually to something you mentioned earlier when the group of lads you trained with at, uh, at uni and said you were very lucky that they were very sports focused and performance focused and not drinking focused, shall we say? Yeah. And I, I just I've just found it again. I do like listening to people because again that it's that mentality that you go. You'll say you're lucky that that was the case, but nothing still stops you going out drinking. That you know there's still decisions yeah. you're making. That luck again. People talk about what, where luck comes into things, but you create that because you could still go out drinking with other people. You know, it's it's not you know. Yes, yeah. lucky there was no, great totally, folk yeah. people there, but you just as <clears throat> you put as much brain power into making sure you're doing the right things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it helped having that group around that we were all like-minded. And I mean, as a first year, like don't get me wrong, I made the advantage of. I took the advantage of being a first year and we used to get Saturdays off at training. So throughout my first year, I would quite often go out with my mates on a Friday night because I never, I quite like when I'm not at the track, I quite like to switch off my flags and I'd like to just be, you know, a normal guy. So Friday was that day for me where I could go out and I could have some drinks and we could go out and um, have a night out and just feel normal. I feel like that release is good. I've, I'm a big advocate of you if you're a good person and you're looking after yourself as a person, you're going to run well as well. So I feel like, you know, there's the extremes where you, you don't drink at all and you don't eat any, any rubbish and don't do anything that's bad for you. Or I quite like the approach of do what's good for you as a person and your performance will benefit from that. So, yeah, I mean, I was lucky in the sense that people didn't want to go out four or five times a week and just get 
yeah, just getting states like that. I, I did, I did do it, but I did it in moderation and did it sensibly. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, you mentioned there about doing things outside outside of the sport, and that again, we talked to so many athletes about, and, and athletes that have had had uh, struggles, should we say, and it's that identity outside of all they do is sport, sports, sport, sport <coughs> lift ball, so there is nothing else. So. You know, you obviously like football, where we can talk about football. But you know, some some athletes, and I've been gone through phases just as a, a fun athlete. But you're so focused on what you're doing that you kind of it all gets yeah. a bit blurry, and it shouldn't. Yeah, I, yeah, it's definitely important to have that, be able to switch off from it. I think because sport, especially high performance sport, it's it's intense and it's the nature of what you do. So being able to switch off and give your mind and body a chance to relax is just as important as running well when it comes to a race. So, so 2019, obviously, I suppose the last season of racing, really, because there's not too much going on at the moment. Uh, yeah. All 800 racing, I guess, stepping up in, in the class, the type of events you're doing. I mean, are yeah. those types of events, are they based on, because you, you qualify for them based on on time, because you're representing GB? I mean, had you had a GB call-up? Because you've run for GB, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd represented them as a junior for some of the 4x4 relays, but last year was the first time. I ran for them as a senior. Um, yeah, the races, it, it's, a, it's a total range, to be honest. Obviously, you get somewhere you need, to, you need to qualify for them. So, like, when I ran at the European Indoors, there, the process is you have to, A, run a time. You have yeah. to, B, finish in the top two at the British Athletics um, trials. And, C, you have to be um, eligible to run them as well. So you have races like that. You have races where you can just enter yourself. So like the BMCs, you, you can just enter and they'll put you in a race according to your time, try and make it competitive. You have other races where you might get invited. So, you know, a race organizer might email you or your agent and say, um, does Joe want to run in this race? And then you have other races where they're championships and, you know, you'd, you'd enter yourself, but it's with a view to going on to another competition after, stuff like that. So, yeah, you get all sorts. Uh, Sorry. So yeah, what what age range is the seniors for athletics? So senior, so last the last um, junior age group is under twenty three. So I think once you get to, uh, depending on which month you're born in, either twenty two or twenty three, you then start going into seniors. So I'm in all the seniors now. And so what's the higher age bracket of that then? Just talking about obviously. oh, as in like what? How old? Yeah. How old the seniors go up to? Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, officially, you're not you're not a vet until you're 35. So, so it's a that's big big range there. You know, we were doing oh, this yeah, all incremental. Yeah. Now you are just against. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's no there's no kind of hiding place now. You can't you can't hide in your age group and you know just win races in your age group. Now you are against you're against the the big boys. Yeah. And indoor outdoor, what's where's your preference lie? Um. I like both for different reasons. I like outdoor because that's that's what you grow up doing as a kid. And, you know, it's the weather's normally lovely. There's um, that just that 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 smell and the feel of a track day that you grew up grew up with. The races they're a bit um, they're less hectic. They're more they're more calculated, more measured. You feel like you've got a bit longer to think about things. Indoors, I like for different reasons. The the atmosphere is normally a bit better because the tracks and stadiums a bit tighter. So right. if there's a crowd there, that tends to make it a bit better. Um, 
some days I quite like the fast paced nature of the indoor races and it can be a bit hectic and you know people will trip people will fall people will clutch people will barge um so yeah, yeah I like those. uh no I'm no I don't mind getting my elbows out yourself <laughs> um, so wide how, how did you find your first year in senior there because obviously we talked about the first year on your bottom bracket you kind of just getting the feel of things and how it works is that kind of what you you felt last year or do you hit, hit the ground running against them seeing stepping up to seniors it can be a bit overwhelming i think it's some athletes can struggle with it especially if you've been a successful junior and always won your junior stuff and then all, all of a sudden you go up to senior and you find yourself getting whooped by by these guys who do it for a living um i, I quite enjoyed the step up just because i always i always like challenging myself and testing myself so it was quite nice for me to race against some guys that you've never raced before um, go to go to championships where you know you feel like the youngest there and that you can learn off everyone there and your best is yet to come. So yeah, it's, I, I didn't mind it. So so looking like at the moment, funding wise and things like that, how does that all work for you? Um, so funding, I get you know I get a lot of support from the Isle of Man. Um, Isle of Man support of they they give us funding where. Um, you know, you'll get a certain you'll get a certain amount that you can claim back through the year. So if I go on a trip and I pay for my flight and stuff, I can claim um, a certain amount back from that. Um, and then I got on the Chase Your Dream program, which is set up by the Albert Goubet Foundation. So I get some money which helps essentially towards my living costs in Cardiff. So without that, I wouldn't really be able to train and live over there. And then I have a couple of private sponsors as well. Um, so TLC Business Solutions, C, um, Sue from there, um, she, once a year, um, she'll give me, she normally writes me a check, yeah. and she'll say, well, you go out and get yourself a pair of spikes, a pair of trainers, and little things like that really, really help, and the money that she gave me last year helped pay for me to go warm weather training, and things like that, and then um, I also have Satanta Hypnotherapy Clinic, which have, you know, they've helped me financially just to not put all my eggs in the athletics basket so you know financially i've been able to start kind of living a normal life as well so you know saving and things like that because at the minute because athletics is essentially my job i i put everything into that and i don't get chance to really work the hours that i'd like to to be able to save for you know later down the line when i want to buy a car and go on holidays and you know put a deposit on a house things like that i haven't had the position to do that so until they came on board um i wasn't able to think about anything apart from spending my money on running so yeah i've been lucky with the sponsors that i've got but yeah for me to perhaps get to the next level i might need to look at getting another additional sponsor to really help fund um the next phase yeah, of my the next step. Development. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 uh and are you based in Cardiff then? Typically, I appreciate we're in lockdown at the moment. Yeah, so I'm on the Isle of Man at the minute, um, back in Port Erin. But yeah, I mean, normally when things aren't, when we're not in a global pandemic, I'm in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, do we, doing, I presume you obviously finished uni. What are you doing down there? Just based down there yeah. for training? Yeah, so I finished warm uni. weather training. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I essentially am there for training. Um, so yeah, the the sponsorship and funding that I get helps helps me be able to do that. And then I work part time when I'm there. So um, I coach I coach for two separate academies. So I do them in the evenings. Um, 
anywhere up to three or four times a week is quite flexible, which you need as an athlete because you don't want you want work to revolve around your training, not training to revolve around work, just so you're able to perform and recover to the to the level that we need to. So yeah, that's what I do in Cardiff and I like it there. I was just saying, what was the was this the reason for you post uni staying at Cardiff? Was that the coach in the setup you were all used to kind of everything around there? You set up a good base in that sense? Yeah, partly. So after uni, obviously um my parents have my parents have always been really good at um supporting me. They've always encouraged me to you know, whilst I can pursue my athletics career because, but A, because I don't really know what I'd want to do aside from that and B, you know, if I didn't, I'd regret it. So they've always been really good at supporting me through that. But after they put me through three years of uni, I thought, you know, I can't ask them to fund me to go back to Cardiff. So I came back to the Ironman for a year. Um, so 2017 into 2018, I was working 30 hours a week at Manx Telecom and then trading in the evening. So I just basically saved up for... I think it was 10 months in the end saved up to be able to go back to Cardiff um, in September 2018. So, so, so two, two, well, two things that I've got left. First of all, it's a quiz. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. So do you know your, uh, off the top of your head, your 800 PB? Um, 147.65, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And what about your 400 PB? 47.40. Two? Yep, spawn, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. So so looking ahead then you mentioned earlier about sort of goals and Birmingham. What what appreciate and I don't know what what the thoughts are around this year and whether I'm sure we'll be get running at some stage. But uh what are the sort of medium to long you know, what what's the ultimate ambition as well? Yeah, um yeah, I never I never was one of those kids that grew up saying, Oh, I wanna win Olympic gold. I think that's come as I progress through the sport. So for me, a big one would be if I could win a medal at the Commonwealth Games. You know, I feel like I owe the Isle of Man a lot. Um, I've had a lot of support. My family are from the Isle of Man and just general public have been brilliant for me. You know, my Facebook page always gets, I get a lot of messages, people saying, just encouraging you. And it, it's hard to overlook that support. And I really do think it helps. So, yeah, winning the medal at the Commonwealth Games would be massive. And then, um, yeah, winning, I, I'd, I'd love to win a couple of major medals um i'm not particularly fussy about what because i appreciate that there's a lot of 800 meter runners in the world who want to go out and win a medal at you know european championship world championship olympics but i feel like i'm i'm capable and i'm good enough to do that so i think for me to you know retire i'd be a bit gutted if i hadn't won a medal because i think i can at commonwealth what's the kind of what's kind of you mentioned earlier about elite like as opposed to olympic time frames with commonwealth what what kind of medal range to look at i mean you must have a number that you're thinking i need to get into this kind of zone to start thinking i can compete for a medal yeah um i think so 145 probably right. i think once you get to that point then you're able to go into a championships being like i can actually contend here i'm not here to make up the numbers and yeah. if i run well um i can do it I, the time that you need to run to win might be quicker than that. But you can, I think you can be like seriously competitive and go into a game expecting a medal at 145. And, you know, there's been games won in about 147. Yeah. It depends on the type of race you get in. But, yeah, I, I think at the minute I'm running 147 and I, I don't feel 
I don't feel like I'm too far away from making a step to where I can actually start going into competitions and being like, I can, I can challenge for a medal. It's that flip on though, isn't it? I guess as you're competing at a higher level, you're competing with faster athletes and just naturally brings you on, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The more, the more experience you get at those, those big competitions and big championships, the, the better you'll be for it when it is your time. So I've, I've always thought that, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know where my ceiling is and what that's going to be, but I definitely feel like I've got a big moment in me and I feel like everything that I'm doing now and everything that I've done as a youngster has been building up to that big moment, whatever it is. So I hope that all the experiences I've had along the way will all come to fruition at whenever my time will be. Yeah, all those stepping stones, isn't it? We yeah. chatted before, just briefly before we came on. I know your sister's a very good athlete as well. Uh, what, uh, I know she's been injured uh, more recently, but we were talking on air. She's back running now, which I'm sure someone with a longer-term injury, and you mentioned it was a knee injury, must have been a frustrating time for her. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's basically been through hell and back as an athlete. Um, she, she, was a, she won a bronze medal at the World Junior Championship, so that's essentially you know, world championship for everyone in that age. And she came third in the world in 400 metres. The the girl that won that championship won the actual world championships last year. So, I mean, that's the kind of level that Catherine was at. Um, but, yeah, she's just, she's been to hell and back with this knee injury. And, yeah, the road, you know, everyone's journey is different, but she's had one of the tougher ones. And, you know, hopefully when she does get back to the point where she's able to compete, at the level that she wants to again it will make it worth the wait because she'll really appreciate everything that's happened in between yeah for sure, for sure. <clears throat> obviously wish all the best and hopefully in due course well she's certainly been recommended to have a chat with so hopefully that and i'll get that opportunity so just what yeah. one final one final quick question for me anyway was uh advice to i suppose youngsters getting into athletics what advice would you give to them um like we touched about before i'd say um for the youngsters, I'd say just enjoy it, you know, get a good group of friends and just find what you like and do it. I, I think, to be honest, it's probably more important to emphasise the parents. You know, you get a lot of pushy parents who bring their kids down and they're screaming at them to win. I'd say as a parent, you know, just just relax, let your kid, let your child enjoy what they do. It doesn't matter if they're good at it. I, I, I You know, I wasn't particularly brilliant as a youngster. Um, I, I would often do races and becoming fifth and sixth but I think the main thing was for me that my parents my dad especially always just encouraged me that as long as I enjoyed it keep going back that yeah I'd say the more important message when kids are young in primary school and first couple of years of high school is just make sure that your kids enjoy it don't make them feel forced into doing anything yeah, yeah, yeah. cool well thanks for your time today Joe it's been very fascinating certainly we'll be following following you over the over the coming years as well uh in your development and all, all the best uh brilliant thank you no uh, i really enjoyed it's it. nice nice to hear someone you know a young athlete as well talk passionately about representing the island because it means that i know it means a lot to the to the island they're very proud of their athletes they they try and produce and i know island and sport do a hell of a lot of work uh, yeah in, in, in supporting athletes such as yourself yeah no definitely i think yeah I, for the last couple of years now i've look forward to Birmingham 2022 because that's the biggest stage that we can represent the Ironman on. So, yeah, hopefully by then we can have something to shout about. Good man. Good man. Thank you. Bye, Bye, Matt.
Yeah. So wherever you're watching or listening today, please like, subscribe, share, and leave those five-star reviews pretty please. On social media, Facebook with the M word IOM, Twitter, Max Sports Pod, and on Instagram, we are the M word IOM. Hope you remember these off the top of your head now. Yeah, I know. That's, that's what I was saying. I'm not, I've not got my notes this time, so I thought I'd have a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks again, everyone, you uh, sexy people, for letting us into your ears. It's word out from Martin. Word out from Martin.